It's always hard, I think, to look at your own website saying, how is that working from the customer's perspective? What does their customer journey look like? Welcome back to Duo On Air. I'm Abby. And I'm Courtney. And we're the ex-agency turned entrepreneurial team that puts the Duo and Duo Collective. Our boutique organic marketing agency specializes in SEO, social media strategy, and brand. We're an everyday pair of business besties slash marketing experts obsessed with helping our community learn more about what it takes to run a business. Which is why on Duo On Air, we're not holding anything back. We're giving you all the info we know about how to grow your business organically so you can be the confident CEO you were made to be. And how to navigate life as a small business owner. Whether it's on your own or with your best friend by your side. So grab your coffee or your mimosa, we don't judge, and settle in for a quick value-packed episode of Marketing Tips. Welcome back to the Duo On Air podcast. This is episode number 97, and we are thrilled to bring Rachel Woods on the podcast. She joined our last round of group coaching, and she specializes in bringing her clients the best data-driven marketing strategies. My nerdy SEO self was thinking, heck yes, bring on the data. In this episode, we talk about the importance of research and how it can impact where you spend your time marketing your business. And as always, we promise to remove the jargon and give you some simple strategies to get started. So let's dig into this together and start thinking differently about our 2024 marketing strategy. Hello, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining us on the Duo On Air podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. We are so excited. Rachel, we've gotten to know a lot over the past eight to 10-ish weeks, I'd say. Rachel was inside our group coaching program. And although we could talk about that program and SEO and all of those things all day long, uh, we actually wanted to chat with her about something else, um, specifically more in research strategy, using data to drive your marketing and all of that good stuff. And we We'll get into all of that, but I want to just start by how about you telling us a little bit about you and your business and kind of how it all came together. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Um, so I own a business called Woods Marcom. Uh, it's a little marketing agency based in Northwest Washington. And um, I work with small to medium-sized businesses, really uh, focused on creating that data-driven strategy. Um, and then once we have that strategy really configured and kind of looking at implementation, we often utilize digital marketing tactics like paid search or paid meta ads, things like that. So I also offer those services as well for um, um, customers who are interested. So it's been really fun. It's a relatively new agency. So I'm excited. I've been doing marketing for about 20 years. Um, and, you know, my origin story is a little bit interesting. I actually majored in chemistry in college and with a minor in human anatomy. And I actually had planned to go to like medical school or do crime scene investigation or something like in that kind of sciencey space. And I got a uh, an internship at the emergency department my junior year, and I was super excited. And I'm in the night shift, and this is like, I'm going to med school, I'm all excited. And that's where I discovered that I get super ill around needles and blood. So <laughs> that makes it a little hard to go into either one of those fields. Um, so I had to kind of regroup and I did graduate with my degree in chemistry and I got a job at a lab right out of college. Um, so I was very fortunate there, but I thought this is just not for me at this point, just kind of doing repetitive lab work. And I was fortunate at the time my husband and I had gotten married in our early twenties. We went ahead and had our son very, very early. And so when I decided to go back to work, I thought I'm just going to 
do a part-time, just kind of work part-time while he's little, that kind of thing. And I got a part-time gig fundraising and marketing for a local humane society. And that's kind of how it all started was really just kind of, I want to, you know, work part-time and be home with my son a little bit. And it just, I fell in love with it. And so that's really been the trajectory now for the last 20 years was just sort of um, a complete change. But it's been interesting of adding that scientific kind of scientist background into marketing, which is oftentimes more of a creative field. Um, it's been kind of an interesting pairing. So I always tell people that because it's such an odd origin story of how I ended up in this in this line. So that's amazing. That's yeah. like that's a really incredible story. And like just the the background that you have and everything. That's so cool. When you said CSI, it made I don't know if I told Abby that. I feel like I, I was told like Abby Courtney. This, yeah. Courtney had this dream. Yeah, in the past, this was before Duo, right? I, yeah, I think, I think so. it was right before yeah. Duo. I was just like getting really burnt out at the agency, and I was like, you know what? I think like I was big into like crime scene shows, like yep. all the murder documentaries. Like I sound like a crazy lady, but um, <laughs> I told my husband one night, I was like, yeah, I think I want to be a detective. Like I want to <laughs> get it, and he's like say what? And I've always been a creative like my entire life. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm just burnt out. And like, I love these shows and stuff. I think I'd be really good at it. And he's like, he's like, do you realize that you can't just like go apply and be a detective? He's like, you got to go to school. He's like, you got to be a street cop before you can be a detective. And I was like, oh yeah, I can't be a street cop. Absolutely not. (laughs) So I'm still here. (laughs) Yeah, uh, there's like a whole generation of us that just love those shows. So. Yeah, yeah. He's like, just because right. you like those shows, Courtney, does not mean you could do it. And I'm right. like, okay. Also, it's like not real life. It's <laughs> like these shows are glorifying like all the moments that basically rarely or barely ever happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was probably good uh, that we started duo. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree with that. Oh my goodness. But it is so cool to see because like in the moment when you're in like all those pivots or career shifts or changes you're feeling like lost and like, you don't know, like, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing, but it's so cool because now you're at the point where you're looking back on that and you're like, wow, all of that, like data and science and everything I loved about that has trained me and helped me into this new phase that I'm going into. And now it all makes sense, but it's like during those pivots, you have no idea what you're doing. And I think that's the coolest start part about hearing those stories, because regardless of where you're at, And if you're like, if someone listening is also in this like pivot stage, it can also feel frustrating, but it can also be a moment where like you then in the future realize that that was meant to be like, this all needed to happen to get me to where I'm meant to go. So it's cool. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. My son's actually in his second year of college. And that's one of the things I tell him is like, you don't have to decide right now, do what interests you, but yeah, life is life's an interesting journey and it takes you in different places and you don't have to make a decision when you're 17 or 18 years old. And yeah, I would definitely support that if pivoting might just be exactly what you need, even if it feels scary in the moment. Oh yeah, absolutely. So we actually talked recently on episode 88 about choosing your marketing channel. And it's one of the reasons I'm so excited to talk with you because I think this is going to complement that so well. So before we even choose like our marketing channel, I want to show up on Instagram. I want to show up on Google. I want to show up in all of these places. And it could just be because you like it, right? But how should we consider like choosing those channels and where we should show up? Like what should be some of the factors in making those decisions? 
Oh, absolutely. It's such a great question because it's really easy to, I think you mentioned this in 88 about if you Google, where should you be? There's a list of, you know, 19 things or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it, it can be really overwhelming. And then sometimes you can make decisions based on what's the trend or what's your friend doing or, or that type of thing. I have kind of three questions that I like to ask as I'm going through with clients and, you know, looking at my own business plan. And really the first one is, you know, who is your customer? That's that mission critical, you know, who, what are their wants and needs? What are their demographics? Where are they? What platforms are they using? Where are they on social media? You know, really understanding your customer is I think the very first thing that you need to do. Um, the second thing I always ask is what are your competitors doing? You know, where are they showing up? You know, how are, how is what they're doing? How is that performing? Um, you know, if they're on social media, is their content getting engagement? Um, are they posting content or do they just have a page up there? Um, you know, you've done a lot of, of, um, had a lot of conversations about looking at their website, you know, what keywords are they using? What's their content, you know, really understanding what they're doing is helpful you can go both ways with that too. Do we want to be in a similar path or do we want to differentiate ourselves? That information is just a really great place to start. If you're thinking about doing any kind of paid search, it's really important to see who else is in your space that's doing that, that kind of same paid search. Um, and then this is the hardest one is really taking a look, I think, at your foundational systems and how are you showing up in the space? And it's always hard, I think, to look at your own website and your own performance on social or, or whatever you're doing and saying, how is that working from the customer's perspective? What does their customer journey look like? Is my message crystal clear? It's probably clear to me because I wrote it, right? But is it crystal clear to other people who want to understand who I am, what I offer, what the products and services are? Um, and how easy is it for your customer to do the thing you want them to do? You know, thinking about can they purchase your product at midnight from their phone in bed without talking to you, without uh, calling someone, without going into a shop, you know, how easy is it for them to work on those things? Um, because before you start marketing, you want to make sure that that your your customer journey is really, really solid, that once they get to you, then they can, they can find you on search, your website is loading well on their phone, they can do the things that you want them to do easily. Um, and so I really try to drill down in those, those top three questions first, before I really look at where do we want to be? Because the answers to those will really drive those questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we oftentimes forget about doing the research first. Like that doesn't come into play. We just think about where we like to be or, or the imposter syndrome of where everyone else is, right. regardless mm -hmm. of understanding of if your audience is there. So, um, why do you think, I guess I'm just curious because I'm sure a lot of clients that you work with might even just skip that research phase. Why do you think it's so overlooked? Like how can we help bring it more top of mind as we make these decisions and not just jump into something right away? Yeah, I think it's probably a number of things. I think it's probably overwhelming. I would think if, you know, if you're working in a business that's not marketing or not 
maybe who's focused on that, where would you start? Do you know where to start? Do you know how to gather that information? I think that that's probably part of it. And I think another thing is it, it might feel awkward to call up a customer and be like, hey, can I talk to you for 10 minutes just about understanding you a little bit more, that type of thing. Um, so I think that that's really um, probably part of it is just that it's, it's hard to know kind of where to start and what to do. Um, but it's really knowing your customer and knowing who they are and, and where they are and what they're doing is really that North Star of your business. Because even down to your products that you're offering, your services that you're offering is making sure that they align with what your customers, what they need and want. So um, I definitely understand how it can be hard. And and also if you're Googling and searching, like we talked about earlier, there's a 85 lists of 500 things you should be doing. So it sometimes that can just be like, I got to get in there and get started. So um, I think it's really, really valuable to start and take a look and say, okay, what are the answers to these questions and doing that research? And then it's it's really fascinating how once you have those answers, it really, excuse me, it really illuminates what uh, oftentimes will answer the questions for you of where you should be and what you should be doing. I think too, as business owners, you get so into the day-to-day -day stuff too. And like how you're showing up and all of that stuff that you sometimes lose sight of how your customers are actually experiencing your brand or your product mm -hmm. or their user experience because you're so focused on like, okay, well, I got to do this and I got to do that. And you're, you know, checking off all of your tax tasks for your business, but then you have to stop and think like, oh gosh, okay. If I was an outsider coming to me, mm -hmm. like, how is my user experience? How is that shopping experience? Is it you know, is it seamless or is it clunky? And I think sometimes we just lose sight of the actual customer experience because we're so in our business trying to run the day to day that we don't stop to think about that too. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I think there's value in because, so we use jargon in our own industry because we're just so used to it. We hear it all, all the time. We sometimes don't even realize it's jargon, which we worked with a coach three years ago. And we, she helped us kind of craft email templates that we still use today and everything. And the very first thing she did in all of our communication with our clients was highlight everything that she was like, this is marketing speak. This sounds like an agent agency. This sounds corporate. She's like, this is like, and making that shift from agency to now working with entrepreneurs, it's very, it's very different. Like we shouldn't be talking that way because it does sound clunky and it doesn't fit our brand and it doesn't fit our personality, but it was so ingrained into us mm -hmm. that we just used it all the time. And there's so much value in asking open-ended questions because yeah. whenever you like for us, when we capture feedback from our existing clients or potential clients and we're capturing feedback we usually do it in like a google forms which is completely free you can just set up a google forms um and we'll send it out to our clients after they've worked with us and just kind of capture their feedback about the project if there's any improvements like just understanding everything and every question is we try to keep it limited because obviously it takes more energy to do open-ended but every question is open-ended because we want them to use their words like we want <laughs> to hear things in their own words not in our jargon. We don't want to like spoon feed them something that they're saying yes to no to when maybe the answer is like, I don't, I don't know, you know? So actually asking open-ended questions is huge. And then actually reading them and understanding yeah. them and 
taking that moment to understand like, wow, this is how they're talking about the service I have or this program I have or this course I have. I've never thought of marketing it with that kind of a description. Mm -hmm. And that can be such a game changer in resonating with your audience. Oh, hundred percent. I did a marketing assessment for an, a tech company um, recently, and they're an amazing tech. They're a web dev. They do incredible work. It's fantastic. And um, we got looking through their customer personas and they have, um, they have like three kind of core personas. And one of them was super techie, super IT jargon, acronyms, all of that. And of course this team is very IT tech. I mean, that's, they live in that in using words I can't use. I don't know what those mean. <laughs> um, but what's interesting is that one persona was probably only about 10 to 15% of their business. And the other two were, you know, the rest of that, you know, you're 85, 90%. And those folks are folks like us, where they're marketing people, they're business owners that are talking to them in plain language or saying, I need a website. I need it to be, you know, they're, they're using more common language around what they're, what they're needing and what they, what kind of functionalities they want. And as we're going through this assessment, we're looking their keywords, their top performing content, everything that they're saying and putting out all of it is really speaking to the IT person because that's where they're comfortable. They're writing blog posts about cake, PHP. I don't know. It's stuff I don't understand. <laughs> But all of their stuff, when you're ranking, it's all very, very technical. And when we looked at their competitor stuff, they're doing things like, you know, how do you add someone to your Google Analytics account? And how do you, you know, they're using more kind of how to for the general language person. And so their traffic is, and their high keywords are specifically around that general conversation. And so we really sat back and looked at that of their their language and how they're approaching it is really for 10 to 15% of their customers and their whole brand voice. Um, they're really in the process of shifting that now to really talk to this other vast majority of their customers with their content. So it's just to your point, it's they're going about their business and they are pros in their space. Um, but the people they're talking to are just in an entirely different language and, and, and lingo and all of that stuff. So it's really, really fascinating when you looked at that, how important that was. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is. So let's talk a little bit about tools um, and like what tools you can use. Like obviously asking, just straight up asking your clients, your customers for their feedback and gathering all of that is like an easy way to do it. Are there other like research tools out there um, that don't cost, you know, an arm and a leg that people can kind of leverage to dig into some of this outside of just asking their customers? And especially if someone's like brand new and doesn't have clients or customers, like mm -hmm. where can you go then to get some of these insights? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, and I think asking people is always the, the the first thing, you know. And I liked your idea of putting in together a Google form or sending something as a survey monkey or something that kind of lets people really fill that out if if asking them directly is a in a conversation doesn't feel comfortable. Um, one of the other things that I recently um I recently met a gal who was building a business and it was around um, college coaching. So it was for high school seniors and their families kind of helping them go to the next level. And I actually had used that service um, when my son was looking for um, looking for colleges. And so I just messaged her and I said, hey, I am your target audience. She was really having trouble kind of dialing it in because it's really a niche. 
And so talking to people who have used the service you're selling, but maybe not from you even, but just really diving into why did you why did you use the service? What did you like about it? What brought you in? What did you find beneficial? How did this interact with, in ours, it was a family dynamics question of, you know, does she work for the child or does she work for the parents and that kind of thing. So talking even to people who would be your target audience or have used those types of services if you're new and just learning about that is really, really important. Um, I think you can gain a lot of insight from that. Um, another thing, if you've got, you know, if you have a CRM or something, that's also information that you can leverage. But again, if you're a new business, that's probably not as helpful. Um, one of the things I like to do if you're brand new is think about, you know, what are those high level demographics in terms of, you know, your age range, maybe some, you know, location base, are they local? Are they national? What does that look like? And then looking for, really high quality kind of research tools or uh, studies that can tell you. Um, there's a Pew research study that I use quite a bit that talks a lot about your age demographics and gender demographics, and then they're correlating to social media platforms. So really looking at if you're just really starting out and you're not really sure, um, and actually this can um, be supportive to other data as well, or other research as well. But thinking about, you know, if you're looking at a demographic of ages, you know, 35 to 50, there's 75% likely they're going to be using Facebook, according to this, you know, Pew Research, which is a really high quality, great research place. So thinking about, you know, looking for studies like that, that you can kind of layer on top of some of these kind of core demographics that you're pulling. Um, and then one of the tools that I use is called SparkToro. I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, they are kind of a data aggregator in terms of um, behavior and people's. Um, a lot of it, I believe, I think is pulled from kind of activity online, their social media accounts, what's in your profile, what are you talking about? And SparkToro has a free version. It's um, S-P-A-R-K-T-O-R-O. -O. Um, they have a free version or you can pay month to month if you're doing you know, research for a short period of time. But what I like to do with that one is you can say, okay, I, I am really interested in, you know, I want to target moms or um, pregnant women, that kind of thing, maybe. So looking for people who are talking about pregnancy or talking about kids or are visiting parenting.com, you know, what sites are they visiting? What social media accounts do they follow? Looking at kind of more of that behavioral activity on social media. And then that pulls out a lot of information that says, okay, people who are visiting this website are also going here. They're also following these types of social media accounts. They are listening to these kind of podcasts. They're following these influencers. There's a lot of information that you can look at. And it's, it's not going to give you you know, 98% of your audience is doing X, but it can help you kind of find some hidden gems of like, oh, I didn't realize that people who are, you know, talking a lot about this online are also following these online magazines or following these influencers. And then you can start digging into that information a little bit further. Um, so that's another one that's a really helpful tool, kind of as your I think kind of more of us like the, the the final layer of like, how do we refine the, the research that we've already done? Um, and so you wouldn't want to make big decisions on that or that on one data point, but you can kind of find some really neat little um, 
little niche things of maybe we should look at, you know, partnering with this influencer because they're really talking to this audience that I'm, that I'm wanting to reach. Um, so that's a good tool that I've really, I've really kind of leaned into. And a lot of PR firms, I think are starting to kind of look for how can we start capturing all that information that we all share on social media? You know, how can you, how can we start plugging into that? I think there's other companies that do it that similarly, but that's the one that I use quite a bit. And um, I'm a big fan. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I'm super curious. What are your thoughts on leveraging AI to come up with like brand personas? Have you done this? Is Ooh. like, how's the quality of it? Um, whether it's ChatGPT or another paid tool, because I know ChatGPT can't always be the best, but I'm super curious your perspective on this since you've done the research firsthand, like if AI is a good resource to help. Oh, that's such a great question. You know, I haven't actually used it for that. That is, I will probably do that today though, because that's such an interesting question. I have such an interesting, um, I love AI and I love the digital tools and I'm, I'm a techie person. So I love to try a new thing, but what I also, am always like just a little bit aware of is like that these are tools and I don't want to lean too far into them. Um, I was having a conversation with someone the other day and it reminded me of, are you guys, do you guys watch friends? Are you friends fans? Oh yeah. So, yeah. So when Joey like discovers the thesaurus and writes this like bananas letter about Mm -hmm. for the adoption agency. So it's like, you don't want to lose sight of like what you're, you know, the goal and the the core tenants and get too far into some of these tools. So I haven't tried that, but it would be interesting to go back and kind of confirm what I found elsewhere and see if they line up. Um, Because I, I don't know that I would only do that, but it would be super interesting to like see how they line up or see if you can get some nuggets past that, because there's probably some really interesting data, especially now that AI is, or that chat GPT is starting to pull from the internet and being able to kind of browse current information. So yeah, you're going to have to let us know Mm -hmm. when you do that and how it how it all kind yeah. of turns out. We'll put it, we'll put yeah. it in the show notes as yes. a follow-up to this episode. So you can, you yeah. can back, let us know the quality. But one of the things that I love using ChatGPT for is when things are super complicated. So like when you talked about like the Pew research and like all of that kind of stuff can feel really complex and hard to understand. Mm-hmm. So understanding the data points and taking that and like, I've done this multiple times, especially when it comes to like an SEO error, I don't know how to fix. I'll plug it into ChatGPT and I'll say, can you tell this to me like I'm an eighth grader and explain yes. it to me in words that make sense? And like that can be such a powerful way to use research because those mm-hmm. studies can be so complicated and not actually help you with the key takeaways. And now with ChatGPT4, like the paid version, if you're leveraging it, you can take a document. So like say you have this whole document PDF download. You don't want to read the whole thing because let's be honest, I'm not going to sit here and read a 60 page research document. Like it doesn't make sense. You can upload that document to ChatGPT and say, give me the takeaways. And it literally 100%. just cliff notes it for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which and that's so great. That mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that, and that's great too with, uh, you know, if you're, if you're wanting to dig into like some really dense research research, that's, I think one of the best things that that can do right now is kind of summarize that, or even say, I'm trying to find an answer to this. Can you just look at this and <laughs> 
some right? resources because yeah. I imagine yeah. that's like the best way to leverage it is just to help you dissect and understand. Mm-hmm. But to your point of like, you need high quality research too, because if you're looking up a stat with the mindset of like not having an open mind of what you want to find, but you want to find that your audience is using an Instagram because you want to be there. So you want to verify right. that with a stat you'll find it because you can yeah. find anything that you're searching for online, but it's the quality of the research that matters. So I think mm-hmm. you can't have AI just summarize all of the research out there and give you this generalized summary. That's not going to help. But if you have the data points and now you need to turn that into an actionable plan that you can use mm-hmm. or give you a, some like inferences on where to be, that can be a much better use of the tool. But but yeah, the quality of the research, I imagine, like matters and you're not always going to get sources. I mean, I'm sure you can ask for them too, but yeah, you're not always going to get a source because ChatGPT is meant to be, and most AI tools are meant to be an aggregate of everything mm-hmm. they're finding online, not one source mm-hmm. that's piecing it all yeah. together. And that's one of the things, yeah, when thinking about things to kind of just be aware of when you're using AI, exactly to that point, is their aggregate, their high level, and kind of same thing with SparkToro, I love using them, but you have to remember, like, this is really high level kind of supplementary data. We're not looking at specifics and getting really drilled down and just kind of remembering that, that those are supplementary and helpful um, tools. And I actually, when I am using AI and if I ask them something and it says, you know, whatever that statistic is or whatever, I will take that and then I'll plug that into Google because then I can, that will find at least one source that says that piece. And then I'll go look at that source and say, is this something that I, that I want to trust? Or is this a blog? And someone says about 80% of blah, 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 versus it being a data point. And so that's why I keep some of these kind of like Pew research and play and some of these studies that I reference a lot. I just keep them bookmarked because thinking about demographics and social media platforms, I, that's information that I go back to frequently because we're always having those kinds of conversations. And so just trying to think about, yeah, where, where does that data live that you can really reference that and go back to that versus just your general aggregate random quote. Yeah. And we'll, if you want to send us a couple of those, we'll be sure to put them in the show notes of like, this Mm -hmm. is reputable research that you can Mm -hmm. use rather than just, you know the massive amounts of things out there on the web. (laughs) Um, So you mentioned a little bit about the case study of the tech company. And I love when we can kind of share like some eye-opening, like, wow, this data really changed everything. Do you have any other case studies that are worth sharing? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I one thing that was really interesting actually with that tech company that I found really fascinating was one of the things that they were adamant about was that they did not use social media. They were like, it's a waste of time. We don't get website clients from this. Like we are not, we're not going to do that. And I thought, okay, that's really interesting. And I, so I, again, kind of dug in and when, and kind of back to those three questions, when you look at the customer personas and again, referencing kind of the demographics and the ages and, and the, the, um, professions that these folks were in, 
it was tremendously likely that those customer personas were using social media. So then I looked at the competitor analysis, you know, what are their competitors doing? And their competitors were active on social media and they were having, you know, they had some, a couple of the accounts that were really, really active, had a lot of examples of engagement and portfolio work, that type of thing. Um, but the thing that kind of blew my mind a little bit is I went to their Facebook page. So the client's Facebook page, and they had not posted on it at all for a year and their page traffic had gone up 44% in the year compared to the previous year, which was so, I thought, well, how is that possible? I had to kind of sit there and stare at that for a minute because I'm thinking they're not posting. So it's not coming from engagement. It's not coming from being driven by posts. It's not coming from any of that. Um, and so I'm thinking, and I thought, well, this is probably people that are either finding them organically through maybe their search and their that page is coming up, or maybe they're trying to validate, hey, I heard someone say this company is really, really good at web dev. Let me go check them out on social media and get to know their brand voice and see how they approach it and understand, you know, see the portfolios, things like that. And so it was really eye-opening to me that the page itself that that told me that people are trying to find them there. People are actively going to that page looking for them. And so it is truly a missed opportunity to not have any content on that space. So that was a very eye-opening piece of, again, just sort of like when you dig into that, it completely changes your viewpoint of who your customer is and what you're doing. And I think it's really important too. And I know you've talked about this in the past as well of like, maybe that's not where your sales are coming from, but there's a lot of value in your overarching marketing strategy to having nurture content there and having some of those other um, kind of who are you as a brand. So um, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. We had another client that um, we had there like at a festival event and they were, um, they were kind of, their website was having some challenges or whatnot, and they really invested heavily in social media. And the social media was like, go to our website for this information and go find this information here. Well, they're going from a mobile, you know, Facebook, Instagram to a website that didn't load very well on mobile and had just some really tremendous issues. So what was happening then is it's really forcing people to call them on the phone. And if you look at demographics, again, people in those age groups for their personas, they don't want to use the phone for a phone, which is funny, <laughs> right? We don't want to use our phones to be phones. So again, kind of thinking about that of like, when you look at your customer journey and they're saying, we really want to focus on social media. We want it. This is where, this is where it's at. This is where this focus is. But what that did was just add more traffic to come through their broken website to clog up their phone. So their phones were overloaded and they couldn't they were either getting busy signals or just getting sent to um, voicemail. So, um, so yeah, it's just really fascinating to kind of think about what those, when you really boil it down to who is your customer, what do they want to be doing and how's your customer journey? Like that is critical to make sure I think sure it's that remembering solid. too, that your customer journey isn't always about sales. Like mm -hmm. obviously at the end of the day, you want to make a sale or convert, but they're not always, they're not going to buy right away. Not everybody's going to go to your mm -hmm. website and be like, oh, yep, this is the one I want. They, some people need to get to know you first and they need to like slowly dive in. And that might be where you capture them on social because you're showing up there authentic. You're not always super salesy, but then, you know, they start to get to know you and then they're like, okay, now I trust this brand or this product. Now mm -hmm. I'll go buy. So I think it's super important. I think a lot of people sometimes are like, 
well, we're not getting sales from social. So like, that's just a waste of time. We're not going to do that. But in all reality, like you could be making tons of sales with social. You just, mm -hmm. it's just a different way to funnel them in and make that sale. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always asking the question, like, then what? Because it's natural. Like we, as marketing experts, it's really natural for us to see the progression. Like it just builds in our brains. Like we know, like someone is going to do this, 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 and this before they become a customer. But if you don't have that marketing brain, like you, you aren't always thinking that way. You're thinking in silos and you're thinking about your social media account. You're thinking about your website and you're thinking about your email list, but you're not thinking about how they all connect and that journey that someone is taking. And the second you have an individual and you have a persona and you have that person in mind, now you can say like, okay, how did they hear about me? Okay. Now what did they do? Where did they go next? Like, what are they craving from me? And like thinking about that and all the things you need to do to get them to actually give you the money at the end of the tunnel, mm -hmm. like that is so important because if you miss a step along the way, you might've lost them. Mm -hmm. And right. remembering that everything is connected. It's like this big spider web is so important. It's not like each thing is just one thing in the cog. Um, and I know we talked in that episode, we keep referencing the episode because it's so relevant to it. <laughs> episode 88 about like choosing just one marketing channel, which is right. You can choose just one marketing channel, but there's still other ways they're going to connect with you. Like mm -hmm. if they chose, if you choose that channel, you likely still always have a website and we would recommend right. that you always have a website. So now that they get to their website, how are you keeping them? Like are, even if you're not ready to send an email to your email list, are you still capturing their email so you can talk to them in the future? Like are you giving them an easy way to navigate your website so that they can contact you or reach out to you? Is your mm -hmm. website loading? Like all of mm -hmm. those things, like that journey from that one marketing tactic that you're doing to your website, like even just that is so important to remember because there's so many missed opportunities to convert if you don't think about that whole path. Absolutely. I spend a lot of time chatting about what's that holistic view? What's the full picture of what you're doing? Because it is so easy to be like, okay, this person updates the website and this person's doing social media and, and not relating those two. And I had a conversation with someone recently and they were saying, well, we just, we keep putting out this special and like nobody, nobody wants it. Nobody's coming and capturing it. And so they had decided that the audience was not wanting sales and deals. And when we got talking about it, um, you know, they were really only leveraging that one channel, but they weren't, you know, you, like you said, it's that whole picture. They have an email list, they have a website, they have some different pieces. And so kind of resetting that thinking about what's your full customer journey and what are all the different places that people are engaging with you? Are they all aligned? Is that messaging all consistent? You know, it's, it's really the big picture is I think that most important, the most important conversation you can have is what does that big picture look like? And having all of that in view when you're making any of these decisions. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And does your team also know the big picture? Cause I also mm -hmm. think that's a missed opportunity is we know the big picture as the CEO, as the founders, as the business owners, we get it, we see it, but we don't share that with our VA or with our assistant or with our employee. Like if you don't share the big picture, you're missing that opportunity for them to help 
complete that big picture too, because if they also are working in silos, like I'm just responsible for Instagram and I don't do anything else, then they're not going to understand that on Instagram, they need to be sending traffic to their website. They need Mm -hmm. to be engaging and telling people to go contact you for this reason. They need to be referencing blogs that they can share to help fulfill like this comment that you're leaving. Like all of that stuff is so important. So I think sharing that full picture, like once you grasp it with all of those people that are helping you grow your business is also so important. Important. Whether they're like full-time employees, contractors, VA is whatever it may be. Absolutely. All right. This has been so good. So do you have mm-hmm. any other kind of closing thoughts for our audience or any advice um, that you'd give them if, if someone's feeling like right now they're like, oh, I know I need to do this. Where the heck do I start? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think if you're getting started trying to kind of you know, start eating the elephant kind of one bite at a time, right? It can be very, very overwhelming all at once, but maybe start thinking of like, okay, we're going to just start with some customer research and we'll just start by asking our current customers, you know, and maybe it's even after we've worked with them, we'll do the Google form. That's a really great way to kind of keep that, you know, information flow and just building a couple of your personas and starting with that, um, doing some kind of basic, what are your competitors doing? I, you know, you use Uber suggest. I love that tool. What keywords are they using? What's their top performing content? Even just some of that kind of stuff can really give you some really actionable information. So you don't have to dig into all of it. You can kind of go, okay, this is what my competition is doing. And I can decide if I want to be in line and similar, if I want to differentiate how I want to address that. Um, And then I would say the third part is really looking at your customer journey. Like we've been talking about that is ultimately, and I would say, even if you have to pick two, it would be who's your customer and how's your customer journey aligning. Um, And so try to kind of, I guess, make it into actionable pieces and not trying to, you know, go all the way in on, on all the details up front. Cause that can just kind of lead to that analysis paralysis, what's kind of overwhelming. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of really great information out there and just kind of to your point, sort of identifying what are the core pieces of information that I need to start making some decisions. And then I always say that the next thing is then maybe go six months and how's it now? Does it still make sense? Do I feel like the customer personas maybe have changed a little bit since I'm gathering, excuse me, gathering more of that information? Um, You know, always go back and reassess kind of midway through the year, six months or so of, do we need to adjust anything or do we want to, do we have this dialed in? So maybe then we want to expand out into another channel or something like that. So taking it kind of one step at a time, I think is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I always like to, when I'm doing new research and I've like gone down the rabbit hole of this, Courtney knows I'll spend like a whole day playing around in a new AI tool and I will not be working and it's not productive. And then she's like, here, log in, you play around with it. I'm like, okay, I will, but I gotta, I have other things I gotta do first. (laughs) Literally us this week. I like spent way too much time in a video AI tool and I was like, Courtney, go build a brand template. Look at this. It's so cool. And then meanwhile, my kids only go to school for three hours a day and I spent that whole time just, you know, playing in an AI tool. Uh, But anyways, what I should be doing and what I am going to start implementing moving forward is like setting a time limit. Like I have an hour, Mm -hmm. I have an hour to play around in this, to do some research, to do what I want to do. When that hour is done, I got to move on to something else. And I think that can be so helpful when it comes to this, because you could truly research all day, all week, all month. 
like, and then just be buried in it and feel overwhelmed. But I think the second you set time limits on it, you give yourself like this amount of time to like, just research and do whatever you need to. And then after that, you can figure out your next plan of attack um, and actually do the work that we have to, to make money for our business. So <laughs> absolutely. I think it's Something really good to, to, yeah, I think it's also really good to not be afraid of some of these new things. I love that you're like, let's dive in and try something out. Cause I think that that's a, that can happen too, is it's like, Ooh, I'm nervous. I don't know about these things. And so I think, um, kicking the tires on things, watching a couple of YouTube videos, listening to someone's podcast that may have tried something new, um, you know, poking in and kind of taking a look at stuff, I think is also just kind of a good, and I love your idea of taking a time limit. I'm going to do that because I can do the whole day. I can spend the whole day and stuff like that too. And it's, you know, especially since I love data, I'm like, Ooh, look at all the numbers we can get out of this. It's great. I know. So. Yes. I need to open a task and it needs to be like my running list of things I can play with and I'll do it later. But because usually I'm like squirrel, like stop the research I'm doing. Let's go check out this tool and then I'll get, yeah. <laughs> and it'll just be a day of craziness. So that'll be, that'll be a next step for all of us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I love it. All right. Can you tell us where everyone can go to find you, hear more about what you offer and see if they want to work with you rather than doing the research themselves? <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm at woodsmarcom.com and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at woodsmarcom. So it's M-A-R-C-O-M. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much, Rachel. This was so fun. Thank you. Thanks so much. If you like this episode, please be sure to share it with a friend and subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes dropping every Monday. Plus, if you haven't already, please go ahead and leave us a review and don't hesitate to share any new episode ideas. We absolutely love hearing from you and creating this content for you. See you next week.